Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Wiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sat down with Seamus Fogarty uh, just ahead of uh, the release of his new record and we have a wonderful chat. Uh, we talk about growing up in uh, in the west of Ireland and, uh, and relocating to to London and, uh, and we talk all the usual stuff, you know, record shops and clubs and school and, and, and bring it right up to as I mentioned, the release of his new record. Um, before we get on with this show, uh, just quickly, a big thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thank you to Domino Records uh, for helping put this one together. Uh, thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And and also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then um, once you finish listening to this episode, then go and have a look in the archives because... Um, you'll find uh, about 180 episodes now of of chats with um, some of your favourite musicians, actors, comedians, producers, DJs, acts as diverse as, gosh, um, Fatboy Slim to Butch Vig through to James Lavelle, through to Suede, through to Maxine Peak, Amanda Abington, Chuck D. Um, yeah, go and, go and have a, a, a route around in the archives because... Um, if you enjoyed the format of the chat, and uh, then I'm sure you'll you'll find other other chats in the archives that you'd enjoy. And if that's not enough, and uh, and you still want some extra content, then I do also have a Patreon page where each week um, I upload four um, radio shows where I play some records and talk about them. I put up sort of video episodes and unique unique podcast episodes and uh, and loads of other stuff. And uh, and you can you can get involved uh, over there for I think it's about ninety seven p a week. Um, so yeah, go and have a, uh, a look over there. Um, that's at patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. You can find out about everything actually, uh, that I've mentioned on off the beat and track. That's not beaten off the beat and track podcast.com. Right back to business. Um, please enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Seamus Fogarty. It's off the beat and track podcast. On the Distraction Pieces Network, with me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, joining me today, Seamus Fogarty. Hello. Hey, Stu. Nice to be here. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Where, whereabouts are you at the moment? I am in Walthamstow, East London, and uh, it's pissing rain outside. Um, 
Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm about 20, 20 miles up the road uh, on, the, on the, the cusp of Essex, and, uh, and it's grey and miserable here. And, uh, but, um, but we're going to talk music, and that's always a rare sunshine. Um, but in the, in the meantime, just quickly, before we get on to the, the, the playlists, um, Seamus, how have you found the last sort of six, seven months uh, professionally and personally? I, I found them absolutely woeful. Um, in every respect, um, just uh, yeah, I've always seen you know because I'm, I'm I come from the west of Ireland and uh, you know I've always seen London as a kind of base from where I can kind of you know go and do gigs or shoot home to see my my folks uh, and my family back in Ireland and um, just for that to kind of uh, evaporate. And not be an option has just been, uh, yeah, really difficult. And professionally, um, both myself and my partner are full time musicians, and um, so and she Emma she plays with Jarvis Cocker and uh, John Hopkins, and uh, so she had loads of shows lined up for the for the whole year, and that kind of just disappeared. So yeah, it's been pretty tough. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty tough. Um, yeah, but I've still been really busy, which is which is good, I guess. Um, you know, with this new album and stuff coming out, it's just been loads and loads and loads of stuff to do, and, and even more so in a way because um, you know I've had to do a lot more kind of social media stuff, which is usually something I'd be kind of like, um, <laughs> but you know, it's just uh, in the absence of you know, actually getting out there and doing like in stores and uh, things like that. Um, yeah, it's been the only kind of it's, it's been one of the, the the only ways to kind of communicate with people. You know, it's been really strange. Like, you know, I've been doing this podcast a couple of years, and and it it has felt like you know, if I'm to try and find a, a positive in in you know a very negative situation in the last sort of six months, all of a sudden it's been a lot easier talking to creative people because, you know, it's not good that they're not out on the road, but they're having to sort of look at things like podcasts and things like that to kind of oh, absolutely, yeah. get, get their stuff out there. So, um, and, and the kind of, the, the, you know, a, a, a big positive in that is I, I also, I, I run a live music venue that's been closed for, for seven months. So this has been, you know, having the opportunity to talk to creatives and, and, you know, it's been, quite nice it's been a welcome distraction from a lot of the stuff that's going on outside our windows do you know what i mean like, yeah yeah oh. no it's true there are some positives even like i I've, i'm listening to lots more podcasts than i ever did because i'm doing you know i'm trying to to do a bit more exercise and you know go out there and jog and stick on uh, the headphones and so yeah i guess there is a little kind of chinks of light and you got you got to grab that right <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and be thankful, yeah. Okay, Seamus, track one. What's the song with the greatest ever intro? Oh, yeah, so I said, ugh, I mean, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one. You can have um, some honourable mentions if you're finding it that tough, mate. Well, you know, I just went with um, Captain Beefheart, uh, sure enough, um, which is the first track of that album, uh, Safe as Milk. Um, and I think because as well as being like an incredible 
incredibly cool kind of opening to the track. It's just an incredibly cool opening to the whole album. And um, I remember when I bought that album, like, you know, I didn't have a clue really who Captain Beefheart was. I was just, uh, I was reading an interview with Steve Malcolmus uh, from Pavement and uh, he mentioned like, oh, this Captain Beefheart was like a big influence. And I was like, fuck, he's Captain Beefheart. And I was like, it was like, it's a really cool name. So he must be a pretty cool dude. I just didn't have a clue about anything about Captain Beefheart other than, than that. And then I was in I was in town, I was in Dublin. I was living in Dublin at the time and um there was a record store on O'Connor Street and I had like a, a bargain base a bargain bin outside and you could you know, I saw safe as milk for, for a fiver. So I was like you know, I'll give it a give it a shot. And um I remember I arrived home with the C D and I was, you know, a student at the time. I was like, Oh let's get, let's throw this on. You know, we just stuck it on, and this kind of slide comes in, and I was like, oh, Jesus, this is great. Um, and it just kind of got better. As like the whole, to me, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of classic album. And, uh, but yeah, I think that might have been like Ry Cooter or someone even playing the, oh, the slide. Oh, really? I know he's on that album. He's like 17 or something, and he does, he's doing a lot of the slide on, on that album. So, right from the get go, the minute you first heard. Beef art, it you you connected with it. Oh well, yeah, that was it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I I loved kind of uh, you know I like blues. You know I was into yeah as you know as a teenager. You know I was kind of getting into uh, yeah like that old blues music. You know kind of I guess uh, kind of Mississippi John Hurt kind of stuff, uh, and then maybe like John Lee Hooker. I just thought it was really cool because I used to sit at home on my own. <laughs> in, you know, the middle of nowhere, in County Mayo, where I'm from. And, you know, I like that idea of just being able to play the guitar, you know, and try and kind of make it, like, sound like a band or whatever, where you're kind of playing one one kind of, one thing with your thumb and the other thing with your kind of fingers and stuff. So I was kind of, I was into that idea of kind of blues and stuff. And then uh, Captain Beefheart just kind of, you know, he just took it off in this uh, completely kind of deranged, different direction. <laughs> And uh, yeah, hooked. It was. It, Never looked back. It was. It was. It's really strange because, like I said, I, I'd also, uh, you know, had so many people, and probably Malcolmus was one of them as well, like championing Beefheart. And it was just one of them. Whenever you bought, a, you know, a magazine that had, you know, the hundred albums you must own, there'd always be Beefheart in this. So I was like, right, I've, I've got to go and and check it. And and my initial response was, what the. F- fuck is this <laughs> and it took me ages for it to kind of click yeah and like it's uh yeah it, it wasn't and that's why i was just interested that when you said like you know that opening lick straight away you was on board i just like it took me a, a while to kind of process what the hell was going on yeah well but i remember by like because everyone was on about oh a trout mask replica that's the real that's the yeah. that's the real i remember getting that and being being like oh what the fuck is this well that that was where yeah. i that's where I, that yeah. was my entry I mean, point I think, I think safe as milk is a much kind of easier kind of entrance point yeah. but I, I still listen to to trout mask replica you know when i'm trying to write yeah you know if i'm finding hard especially with lyrics and stuff i just stick that on and just kind of you know, just take it in, uh, and it's, you know the way that it, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but it's just kind of it has a, some kind of an effect, you know, especially in the context of the the craziness of the music. So yeah, I still um, 
I'd still be inspired by that one. Wonderful. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Track two, Seamus. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek and... (laughs) I mean, I'm really curious as to where we're going with this. So, so basically, um, when I was about six, I guess, uh, I remember my older brother, he got a tape, maybe for Christmas, it was like the, it was like the hits of 1987, and it was like a double cassette, and at all, it was some really good, I can still remember some of the tracks really well in it. Um, what, what else was on there? Like, uh, John Farnham, mm-hmm. you know that one, The, the Voice? Yep. That was and a, a little fact on him. Uh, obviously, he's super famous in Australia, and he's a legend in Australia. They, you know, they look at him like I yeah. know, like some kind of Bono out there. Turns out he's born in Canvey Island, about five miles from where I live. He's an Essex boy. Well, unbelievable. There you go. You can have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, sorry. What else was on there? <laughs> no, actually, I, I think that was definitely one of my favourites. Um, what else was on there? Madonna. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that one? Las, like Lyle Bonita, whatever it's called. Lyle like Bonita. Yeah, that one. Um, Johnny Logan, who was like, uh, he had a big Eurovision hit yeah. that year. He was representing Ireland in the Eurovision and he made the, the big crossover. Whitney Houston, uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody. I think that was on there. Yeah. Um, Have you ever seen... Um, I had Colin Murray on, on this podcast, and, and Colin referenced Johnny Logan. And oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever Go seen ahead. him... There's a, there's, a, there's a football team that sing... The, the crowd, their, their, their song is Hold Me Now by Johnny Logan and honestly like or loathe that record 
if you go on YouTube and he comes out at a match and sings it and there's all of these grown men at this football match bawling their eyes out just singing (laughs) by Johnny Logan it's quite something to watch mate (laughs) wow incredible yeah it's quite, it's quite a shame, yeah. It's quite a jump from uh, you know, from beef art to Johnny Logan in about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, yeah. Um, but, but, and then on the, on the end of one of the, the cassettes, the last song was um, Star Trek and, and uh, it's the bit at the end. So, you know, it's, and actually I remember the video quite well. Is You know, the video is this kind of cool stop motion thing. And uh, I think I kind of like Star Trek as well at that stage, you know, and... Um, so yes, yeah, at the very end where they kind of it keep the song keeps like speeding up and speeding up and speeding up and then there's like a big explosion or something and they you, you just kind of hear them kind of saturated in reverb and it's like they've all died and kind of they're all like stuck in purgatory or something and I just found that very sad. Was that the emotion, like actual sadness? Because I mean that's quite yeah. a joyous sounding record. Yeah, no, no, it's just the, the yeah that last the, just that last kind of uh, ten seconds where it kind of there's a big kind of uh, it just yeah does it, it keeps speeding up and speeding up and then something happens and then they just kind of disappear off into the uh, into the distance yeah have you, have never you, to be seen again have you heard it since well actually well <laughs> when I was trying to think of what's the earliest song I could think of I was like oh. Yeah, I remember that because I really remember that tape very well, the the cassette, you know, and uh, I remember that song kind of mostly. Off. I was like, what was it that? And then I was like, oh yeah, that bit at the end. So I listened to it just the other day, and uh, yeah, what struck me about it was actually that uh, when I play live, I actually a lot of uh, a lot of my effects and stuff sound like the end of that record, which is very strange, you know, at these big reverbs. Really? And maybe. Maybe when I was like seven, I was kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so and where where was home? Where was you born then? County Mayo in the west of Ireland. Nice place yeah. to grow up. Um, yeah, had its had its pluses, had its minuses. Yeah, I mean it was very remote. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere, and the um, the nearest small town was probably about four or five miles away. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, it, it, it was a bit kind of, you know, I couldn't kind of, I was, I was always looking forward to kind of getting out of there as well. Um, but yeah, definitely it was a good place to, to, to grow up, I think, you know? Yeah, set me up. And aside from, um, hits of 87, was there, was there records on at home? Would like your folks play like records and stuff in the house? Uh, maybe in the car. Yeah, not really in the in the house. It was just we used to just listen to the news as far as I can remember. Uh but yeah, I remember I listened to in the car the the tape that was played a lot was Neil Diamond and uh what else? Simon and Garfunkel. Um yeah, and then maybe some kind of some, some Irish traditional music. Um yeah, that was that was pretty. But we all went to kind of we all played music. You know, we all grew up playing music, and um, you know, we would have been sent off to music lessons from like you know five or six. Um, yeah, so I used to play tin whistle, and then I played the fiddle for a while, and then um, when I was about twelve or thirteen, I was like, 
no, I'm not doing this. Is this is just really uncool? Uh, I want to play the guitar, and uh, yeah, that's the rest is history, I guess. Although I did start when I was a bit older. Then I was like, oh, you know, I wish I hadn't kind of given up those instruments. So I kind of took up the uh, playing the fiddle again. Most just so I could uh, add using it as a texture and things on my records, um, and just to kind of a box to get kind of sounds out of and stuff. And so, having sort of music lessons at, at such a young age, like when you would hear Star Trekking um, or Neil Diamond or Simon and Garfunkel or, or anything like that, would you kind of would you be listening and seeing how you know? Could you sort of dismantle it? Was you sort of could you work out how it was put together? You know, was your ears doing that? Yeah, well, I remember, like, my sister, originally, my sister got a guitar um, first. And uh, I remember just kind of taking the guitar off her and just, you know, I just started learning, like, songs off the radio, like U2 and stuff. Um, so I guess I had a pretty good ear for that kind of thing. Um, um yeah, like I wasn't thinking about the production or anything, but yeah, I, I was—I guess I was thinking about the melodies and yeah. you know progressions and chords and stuff. Um, yeah, and I was in, like, you know, when I was about twelve or whatever, I think I got like I got an electric guitar, and I remember, um, you know, I was, I was big into like Guns and Roses, and, and I remember like you know learning all those kind of. I just wanted to learn guitar solos, you know. And uh, yeah, I was able to like sit down and kind of from the radio or from the from the tape, whatever, learn off all the the different parts and things. So yeah, I guess I I did kind of uh, have that in me or worked on it from a kind of early age. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of early age, for track three, uh, Seamus, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh, so yeah, I said uh, Gold Sounds. Uh, by Pavement. Oh, what a um, what an album! Yeah, yeah. Because there's other. I mean, before. So I guess I was about fourteen when uh, when that came out. And we just got a CD player in in our house in in Mayo. You know, and it was like, ooh, we got a CD player. And my brother just had just gone off to college, and so he started bringing home all these uh, CDs and. Um, like I remember the first, I think the first CD I bought was Vitology from Pearl Jam, which was all right, you know, but then my brother bought home this pavement single. Um, and I remember putting it, put, like listening to it and just being t- really confused because at first it just sounded like, you know, full of mistakes and just as like, what? But it was just so kind of free and loose and, uh, and I just killer, you know, guitar and just glorious kind of melody, all in like about two and a half minutes. Um, and yeah, that really kind of opened up a whole kind of world of, you know, this kind of college American music, like, you know, Pavements and Sebado and um, then like Will Oldham and uh, Smog. And all this, so yeah, that was my kind of kind of. But yeah, I remember listening to that over and over again. Um, yeah, I, I think that's very similar to to Beefheart in so far as you know. I had you know in, in in our kind of gang of mates around that time. You know, you had the people that 
that loved like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Jane's Addiction and things like that. And then there was always, you know, them people that discovered pavement. And then it was like, it opened the doors to exactly like you just said, yeah. Sebado. And it was like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, this is, you know, Ween. And there was all of these bands that like, you know, they would just go off down this road of this kind of slacker, lo-fi type thing. And it's, uh, it's glorious music, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still, I mean, it's still, I like, I'm trying to remember the, there was like the B side on that single as well was amazing as well. It was just like a, an instrumental. I can't remember what, I can't remember what it was called, but yeah. Um, yeah, but I was into a lot. I think what else before that, like I had kind of gone through like, uh, like Rage Against the Machine and Smashing Pumpkins. And so I was into that kind of, you know, rockier stuff, uh, but then this kind of uh, this came along. I was like, "All right, yeah, I can, I can." This, it's got a kind of um, it's a bit more relaxing or something. You know, it's just a bit. Yeah, it's like yeah, this kind of slacker vibe to it. That I kind of it's like yeah, I can. I like this. Yeah. How did you um? How did you find school, Seamus? Yeah, I found it all right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess I had my ups and downs. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I was a pretty good student. You know, I, I loved sport as well. I used to play lots of basketball and football. And uh, that, that can get students out of trouble, can't it? That can kind of keep you. That can keep you away from like I don't know. It feels to me if you're good at sport, you you can it helps you get through school. I think. Not you know? totally, you know, definitely, yeah, it, yeah. So that was, you know, I was as much into sport as I was into into music. You know, I kind of with the whole music thing. I was just doing it at home, you know, lots and lots. Uh, but I never really got into, like, any bands or anything. I just, whatever, I just wasn't quite cool enough to kind of, you know, be in anyone's band. So I was always at home just kind of, <laughs> you know, doing my own thing, learning, you know, learning tunes and learning how to play, like, pavement songs. And Did you have a four-track uh, or anything? No, I didn't have a four-track. No, that was kind of further down the line, Um no, I didn't. Um, but yeah, so the sport was yeah, it was it was definitely a a good way to kind of you know get through school without yeah. too much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Track four, first record you bought from a record store. Oh yeah. Well, I said yeah. But, I mean, I, this one is kind of a, I was I was thinking about this today. So the first yeah, the first tape I bought was. Uh, uh, two princes. Um, I think Dad was called Pocket Full of Kryptonite. It was. Uh, That's a fucking <laughs> terrible name for a record. It's a pretty. I think it's a pretty child album. As I, I think I might have listened to it once, but I really like. I really liked um, this single offer. So I remember I used to watch like the ITV chart show on a Saturday morning. So and like. Uh, I remember this single from that, and probably like Top the Pops as well. Like I think it was a big hit. This Pocket f- or um, Two Princes or whatever. Huge, huge record. And I, uh, and I just listened to that as well the other day. Just uh, and I was thinking, yeah, what was so good about this? But it's actually not a bad song. And I think it was the guitar solo. I say I was crazy for for guitar solos from like about eight years old. I think I think it's really yeah. They have big guitar solos. Um, but I did actually buy a tape before that um, Michael Bolton um, sole provider but I didn't buy I bought it as a Christmas present from a sister 
So I think I can get away with kind of that's a that. that's a confident name for a record, isn't it? Sole provider. Yeah, it is. Pretty confident records. Yeah, yeah. He was well able to to belt them out. He could yeah. provide the soul. Yeah, gold. Yeah. <laughs> He uh, and at that point, I think he was also um, lucky enough to have three haircuts on one head. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean it was yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, in, in regards to record shops, Seamus, um, maybe moving on from from like the, the the early days of 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 buying tapes and things like that. How important have record shops been for you? You know, as as you've kind of sort of started to stretch your legs as a musician and up to that to, to to now. Oh, like just you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I like. I mean, in terms of you know, when I went to Dublin to college and whatever, you know, all the music that I bought. You know, I used to go to like Tower Records or uh, where else did I go? maybe like Freebird and you know you just kind of pick up these I wouldn't have wouldn't really have a clue before I went into the shop and uh you know I might pick up a magazine in the shop and you know flick through the reviews like oh this that sounds really cool and I kind of that's how I picked up albums by like Tortoise and you know Granddaddy and all these you know these bands and I think that's kind of you know really kind of influenced uh, where I went, you know, when I started kind of figuring out how to make music. But even like in the last uh, uh, in the last ten or twelve years, uh, so my brother moved to Kilkenny a um, long time ago, and uh, there was a record shop in Kilkenny, or there is a record shop in Kilkenny called Rollercoaster Records, and uh, that was run by a guy called Willie Meehan, who he actually he passed away maybe like three years ago, but. Uh, like he was really kind of supportive. Like I remember, like I think I made my first kind of proper demo probably back in two thousand and five or two thousand and six. And I remember my brother gave it to Willie, and Willie's like, "This is, you know, this is this is cool." And and uh, those guys, that record shop was uh, it also kind of curated this festival called the Rhythm and Roots Festival. So I think back then I was doing a lot more. It was a lot. What I was making was a lot more kind of country or kind of Americana or something. And he's like, "Yeah." Uh, you're gonna. We got you two gigs uh, for the next in the next festival, um, and it was like, oh wow, amazing! So we ended up kind of opening for Mark Eitzel and I can't remember who else. Richmond Fontaine, maybe. That was it. Was amazing because we didn't have a clue what we were doing really, and I didn't have a clue. But Willie was like, he always had real kind of faith, um, and he. So you know, that was a real example of a record shop that you know it was kind of like this hub in the town. Uh, and aside from, you know, selling music, it also kind of, uh, you know, was on the tour circuit. You know, they used to bring bands to the to the town. And like, Kenny is amazed that like, it punches way above its weight uh, as a result of those guys. And, you know, their whole kind of, it was just, their whole ethos was just music. Their whole life was music. Um, yeah, it's such like really special kind of place. Um, so yeah, and the guys uh, Gary and Davy, they're 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 running it now, and it's the same kind of deal. Um, you know, even throughout the kind of uh, pandemic and everything, they've tried to keep it open. And um, and you know, we've played it like where we played at uh, I can't remember uh, in Totnes. There's a uh, a festival there. 
and that was kind of run by the guys at, at Drift uh, Drift Record Store, and they kind of they would have been kind of um, influenced by what Willie was doing in Kilkenny, you know. So this kind of network as well, I think, around Ireland and the UK and probably Europe and the state of these kind of record shops that kind of they're almost like the core of the the industry. I mean. They, like they they used to be anyway. I guess nowadays everything this the idea of a network is you just maybe think of like Spotify or streaming or whatever or getting your stuff on to like Apple Music playlists. But you know before that and still like it was all about getting someone to play your record in the record shop. So when people are in there, they're like, oh, what's that? And then, anyways, yeah. So but they're important. Speak- but but you touched on something as well when we first um, started chatting as well, was saying about how you've had to sort of rethink, you know, promotion of of of, of records and stuff. Um, you know, you probably would have been doing in stores, and I think in stores are you know are, are things that have been you know beautiful as well for for independent record shops to be able to, you know, even if it's something as kind of grand as as Rough Trade through to you know some of the small indies and like and being able to go in there and and, the, and still to this day seeing bands like actively supporting independent records you know stores by doing in stores and stuff i think it's a wonderful thing yeah and they're great fun to do like because you just kind of rock up there and you know it's not like there's a big kind of stage or a big pa or something you know it's kind of just like shoved in a corner and it's just like all right cool and they're just you know there's no pressure uh you you know you play a few tracks and you know it's just a, just a different vibe to like a, an actual gig, but in a really in a really kind of nice and endearing kind of way. Yeah. Okay. Track five, Seamus, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Oh yeah. So yeah, I was never like. This this does lend itself to like your local sweaty indie club and things like that. It's not got to be. Oh, a, it's not got to be a chrome covered kind of night spot, you know, wearing a shirt. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I mean, yeah, because when I was. You know, when I was thinking about club, and I automatically think about like I don't know, like techno or whatever. You know, but you know, when I was in in my younger days, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still a bit of a clubber. You know, I still like uh, it's um, you know, when I got involved with Fence Records, like you know, all of a sudden I was going to see like Fortet and John Hopkins and Nathan Fake and these guys. You know, I'm still kind of really into into that uh, side of you know music, and I guess when I, in terms of kind of clubbing, yeah, I, I said Devil's Haircut by Beck because you know that was just an album or that was just a, a record we throw on. You know, we, we'd be more likely just to sit at home drinking like you know a bottle of Buckfast or something, and then go to a gig. You know, that would be the that was like our clubbing, I guess. Uh, and maybe there'd be an, an, like a, a late a late club after. I think we used to go to Whelan's a lot in uh, in in Dublin, and um, yeah, it was usually the kind of indie side of things. So I guess yeah, Beck Devil's Haircut isn't a bad isn't a bad shout. That's um, a great record. Yeah, old lay amazing records, and I guess it's uh, it's uh, it was a big it's a big influencer on on me, you know. Um, yeah, I guess, I think I, yeah, I'm kind of stuck in the '90s a little bit. I, that's what once when I was looking at all these, it's like, oh, you know, I should have something a bit more current. But I guess you know, if we're talking about what kind of influenced, yeah, it's a retrospective yeah. look. You know, yeah, yeah. Broadcast. Okay, so I'm going to take you home now uh, for track six. A favorite song from an artist from your home county. Oh yeah, see, <laughs> see, I thought this was home country. 
You won't be the first. I thought it was home country. Um, That's fine. um, But I said, okay, it was so home country. Well, there is people from my county as well. Um, Like, well, my friend Connor, he, Connor Welch, he was a composer, but he he passed away a few years ago as well. Um, And... uh, so, so I don't, you know, in interviews and stuff, I, I always tried to kind of, um, I don't want to dwell on people that have passed away too much. But he, yeah, he was uh, an amazing composer, musician from, from Swimford, where I'm from. Um, and uh, he, yeah, he released an album uh, after he, uh, a posthumous album, I guess you'd call it. And that's amazing. Um so he's actually not just from my home county, but he's from my hometown. So um, he um, probably would have been, if I was picking someone from my county, it'd be Connor. But then I think I said roller skate skinny, yeah. uh, speak my side, just because again it was it was uh, I just had, there's so many songs I I love from you know especially at the moment like you know I've lots of friends over there. Uh, like my friend Lisa O'Neill and Junior Brother and Lancome and these people more kind of in the folk side of things um, that are all making a, amazing amazing music um, but yeah this tune Roller Skate Skinny um, Speed to My Side it was just like a, a thumper and I remember listening to that Dave Fanning used to do this kind of Fanning's Fab 50 and he'd kind of listen to it every kind of Christmas and I remember that was up there maybe near the top one year and uh, yeah, it's just another kind of. I guess it's, it has that kind of slacker kind of, you know, American influence to it that I really was into at that stage. I'd, I'd never heard it, uh, and uh, I, I listened to it uh, yesterday, and uh, it's a huge sounding record, isn't it? And it's it's yeah. quite epic. It's like just shy of seven minutes as well. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Like they were doing pretty. They were like, you know, I think they, they were over in America at one stage and they were doing like maybe like Coachella or so a lot of Palooza and these things, you know. They definitely had that kind of that sound, but uh There's almost a bit of yeah. shoegaze in there as well. It was, it was Yeah, yeah. I guess it's around kind of my bloody Valentine yeah. kind of time as well. Um so uh yeah. That was and I think, you know, to make uh, like songs that are like six, seven minutes long. You know, I think there it's 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 really hard to kind of uh to write a song like that length that kind of keeps your kind of keeps your head bobbing for the whole length, but that one for me, yeah, I think it's it's a phenomenal tune. Wonderful. Last track, Seamus, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Oh oh yeah, so um my friend Ed Dowie. I don't know if you know Ed Dowie, he's phenomenal. Yeah, and uh so I think actually he might have a new track coming out, but uh, I'm not allowed to to use it. But anyways, um, so I know Ed from releasing music on Lost Map, which is the label that uh, I moved on to after Fence Records. So yeah, big shout out to big shout out to Fence and also to Lost Map and Johnny Lynch and all his crew and. Um, so yeah, Ed uh, released an album uh, called "The Uncle Sold" back in two thousand and sixteen, maybe. 
And uh, this is one of the tracks from it, uh, Red or Grey. And um, myself and Ed, uh, we did a thing together for um, Union Chapel uh, in London. You know, they do a they do this uh, daylight music on a Saturday. Um, they invited different artists to collaborate uh, and do a set using the big organ in um, in the in Union Chapel. So myself and Ed said, "All right, let's let's do something together." So Ed said, um, oh, uh, "Well, okay, maybe we can do this song of mine, Red or Grey." And I'd, I remember I'd heard it on the record and I loved it. But then when I actually had to sing the the lyrics, I was looking at the lyrics, and again it was like you know trap mask replica or so I was like how did you do this you know where did you where is it and I was like I don't know I just I don't know <laughs> it's just amazing and uh yeah that that whole album is is a thing of beauty and then you know I've been he's a really really good friend of mine and you know about two years ago uh we were both kind of struggling to kind of write anything and he had this idea uh, you know, why don't we do this kind of um, every? Um, why don't we do this thing every uh, every month? We have to write uh, and finish two songs, and you we send them to each other. And basically, our kind of the whole thing was like the shitter the song, the better. There was no kind of pressure whatsoever. You know, it was like so. Um, and we started sending tracks back and forth, and. Um, it was a really good way. It was really inspiring, and like Ed's, the, the stuff Ed was singing or was was sending was was amazing. And I was like, "Oh, actually, I can't really just send any old crap. I have to. Really, I'm gonna, you know, these songs coming from Ed are, are so amazing. That I'm gonna have to kind of really kind of knuckle down and and try and and do and uh, and also uh, Ed's partner Flo. She was involved. She was sending kind of bits of artwork that were amazing as well. And it was just a really kind of beautiful organic way to kind of do stuff and low pressure and that's kind of that was the you know the beginning for me of of this album that, that that's coming out um that's how I kind of got a bunch of ideas together I was like oh actually you know after about a year doing this both myself and Ed had a kind of collection of 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 material I was like gosh you know I'll go back in now and start kind of seeing what I can do with this stuff and yeah so Anyways, that's why I've picked Ed Dowie, Red Wonderful. or Grey. Well, um, as we start to wrap things up, and um, I'll, I'll just, you know, let, let's remain positive and see ourselves as like, you know, as we come out of this awful situation we've been in for the last seven months. What are you, what are you most looking forward to, Seamus, personally, and what have you got coming up professionally? Um, I mean... I guess my album is coming out. I don't know when this is, podcast is going out, but like my album is coming out in a week, which is incredible. Um, you know, uh, it's it's kind of it's sometimes it, it's hard to kind of get as excited as it was about the last one. There's no kind of shows or or anything to kind of go along with it. But then I think it's just so cool to have made another album and to be released it on Domino Records, which you know, I I just I just love Domino Records for like you know. 20 years or whatever so you know, that's 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 a really great thing and, uh, and I'm excited and I'm looking forward to kind of setting it off and um, you know once that's out there I'm going to be kind of relieved in a way because I was like you know I can I can kind of 
see what the next thing to do. And we've we've made some like incredible kind of uh, videos, like live videos with my band um, that we recorded here in uh, in Walthamstow in a church. I'm really excited to you know I'm even though we're not able to get to do gigs, it's been it's been kind of really cool to kind of uh, think about doing stuff in in in. Uh, nice locations and you know make some you know get people involved make some videos and things um so that's kind of that's next week and um what's coming up after that then i mean i had a bunch of shows kind of penciled in for december that probably that's you know realistically not going to happen so i guess just kind of uh look forward to next year and just you know I know we're going to do some gigs and uh, and when I was making the album a lot of the album I wrote with this with the idea of playing them live with the band and having now having kind of done some videos and stuff and uh, with the band with the new tracks I'm like oh this is this is so cool so I'm, I, I'm looking forward to eventually getting on stage with the band and playing the the, the album you know through from start to finish Uh and that's that's pretty much it. There's a couple of possibilities, but yeah, otherwise it's um, there's not a it's not a whole, gonna probably make some t-shirts. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking forward to making some t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> what better place to finish than that? Uh, Seamus, like, thanks so much for your time today. Um, I'll ensure to get this uh, podcast out. I'll try and hurry it out for next week so it ties in with the release of the record. And, uh, and best of luck with the record. And, and thanks again, mate. It's been really nice talking to you. Ah, thank you very much, too. It's, it's, you know, these these kind of it's, it's so nice to do some some publicity and podcast stuff and interview because it's like, oh yeah, it's like this is all part. This is how it used to be. You know, the kind of campaign with the album and stuff. So it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks okay. ever so much, Seamus. Well, nice one. There you go, Seamus Fogarty. One absolutely lovely guy. Um, records out now. Uh, so go and uh, go and buy it, uh, go and stream it, go and listen to it, go and support it, um, whatever you can do. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you enjoyed uh, the format of this podcast, then go and have a, a look in the archives because um, there's about 170 episodes and, uh, and I'm sure there'll be some people in there that you'll be interested to hear what songs soundtrack their lives. Um, yeah, and also I did mention there's a Patreon if you enjoyed this and you'd like to support the podcast. Um, this is a labour of love, so any kind of support over there is um, much appreciated. And as mentioned as well, you can find out about all of this stuff at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Have a lovely week, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.com uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. 
All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, stew with it. 